0: Good morning, good morning for me, everybody. Hi, Uh, great for everybody to gather together here today. Um, I can see about 30 people on screen and we just checked in. I think there's probably at least 15 different countries and language represented, Uh, I'm assuming that's representative. So isn't that great that we are having these conversations? as part of an international community. um, A really amazing and a good thing too, because I think um, we live in times where if we don't have these, build these conversational community minds that connect many different languages, um, many different truths, many um, different beings, we're not going to make it. I I think it's really obvious about that. So the work that I've been doing over the past, um, 40 years or so has, um, really been going through some interesting changes, I think, with all of this. And now, um, the, the work that I'm doing, I'm calling it creative mind work. It has, it has its roots. In my work in Ericksonian hypnosis, my early work in NLP, uh, the work in, in genitive change. But I think there are some different contexts that really can make a difference. So uh, we created these uh, courses to do. And so today is um, a, a promo. Some people say don't use that term. But it basically is, is an invitation for you to get a taste of what this new work um might be about and a sense of how it can make a difference in a lot of different areas i hope um when i went to my undergraduate university of california at santa cruz one of my main mentors was gregory bateson bateson is the guy that introduced us all to milton erickson one of uh bateson's uh most important books was called, Mind and Nature, A Necessary Unity. And I think that title um, is probably uh, more relevant uh, than ever before. So I wanna talk today about what it means to have a creative mind, what it means to have this sense of um, a a spiritual self-awareness, if you will, that is threaded, that connects um, all aspects of life, not only in the present, not only in human beings, um, but with the trees, with the oceans, not only now, but with our history and our ancestors, not only the past and the present, but the future as well. And the really interesting thing is I think there's been this whole lineage and tradition of evolving a, a sense of what this mind might be and how we can uh, nurture it and how we can use it, particularly in today's challenging time. So that's what I wanna to talk to you about. Um, I'll talk for about 30 minutes, try uh, to give you a little bit of an overview of what I mean by creative mind. And then we'll do a guided process to invite you to get a experiential sense about what that might mean to be able to tap into this creative mind and and to really see it's it's not just a passive thing where you go to feel good it's it it's a deep context that then really requires for it to be full for, for you to step into the world and to make connection uh, in the outside world with that state. And how in doing that, it, it really deepens and realizes the state uh, at, at an even more meaningful level. Those of you who know me, know I always like to begin the day with a poem. The poem I want to share with you this morning is a little snippet out of what I consider to be, uh, sorry, Shakespeare, the greatest poem ever written in the English language, namely T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. And I came across uh, T.S. Eliot, I think I was 14 years old. And I was in high school and you know, a lot of stuff going on in the life of a 14-year-old. And I I read T.S. Eliot and I was like, Wow, something just opened up. You know that feeling when you you connect with a great artist or writer, and you feel they know, and they've been connected to this for so much longer, and they have it, uh, than I have, and they have this whole capacity to to be able to express it. So my my interest in poetry has really changed over the years. I tend to prefer more sort of Latin soul poets or. The Persian poets or the Arabic poets, but Eliot, you know, always has a deep place in my heart. He grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, which is right on the um, uh, Mississippi River. Mississippi River was the probably the most uh, uh, important waterway in the United States for its first couple hundred years. It's very wide. Um, it's it's very brown. And you see that he uses this as a metaphor to um, talk about, to give his sense of what Bateson, I think, was trying to point to uh, mind and nature a necessary unity. So this is in the third of the four quartets, which are the seasons of birthing and dying. Those are the quartets, and there's four seasons of that in the 40-page poem so here he says i do not know much about gods but i think that the river is a strong brown god sullen untamed and intractable patient to some degree at first recognized as a frontier useful untrustworthy as a conveyor of commerce but then Only a problem confronting the builder of bridges. The problem once solved, the brown god, is almost forgotten by the dwellers in cities. Ever, however, implacable. Keeping his seasons and rages, destroyer, reminder of what men choose to forget. Unhonored, unpropitiated by worshipers of the machine, but waiting watching, and waiting. His rhythm was present in the nursery bedroom, in the rank of the April dooryard, and then the smell of grapes at the autumn table, in the evening circle, in the winter gaslight. The river is within us, and the sea is all about us river is within us and the sea it's all about us so how about that as a first image of um, creative mind um, so w- with that i want to tell you a few stories to i think be- to begin to flesh this out a little bit more you see on that slide that is the grand canyon there And when uh, my daughter, who's now 28, when she was about 10 years old, uh, I went with my best friend uh, and his family, and with my family, my ex and my daughter, uh, on this rafting trip through those canyons there. It was like a six-day trip. You don't see anybody else during that time. You're inside of these incredible canyons. It was really one of the trips of my lifetime and each night we would we would have a camping place and we'd set up camp and then do a lot of stuff around the campfire at night about the third day the, we got into camp a little bit early maybe three thirty, four 4 in the afternoon we set it up and then one of the guides there was 10 adults 11 kids and five these young guides, and one of them said Adults only, because the the, uh, uh, climb is is a bit treacherous. But anybody who wants to go with me will climb all the way up to the top of the canyon, and I'll give you a geology lesson. My friend Barry and I said, let's do it. We huffed and and puffed, and we got up there. And it's just amazing, just an amazing, amazing uh experience to to realize this is my mother here this is this is what we belong to and he said 1.5 billion years ago the ocean was here in colorado the ocean was here in arizona colorado utah new mexico that area the ocean was here it stayed a while and then it left and when it left that's what you see is that first strata, that first level. 1.25 billion years ago, it decided to come back and visit again. Stayed a while, left. That's the second strata. 1 billion, third strata. 500 million, fourth strata. And he said with a twinkle in his eye, very, very recently, 250 million years ago the ocean was here and when it left that's what we're standing on wow that night we uh, had dinner and we were around the campfire and the guide set up this uh, little um, sort of experiential history lesson of the history of the planet probably know the planet's been around for about four billion years. And they got a really, really long rope. And there was a tree on uh, one side and all the way on on the other side of the campsite, there was another big tree. And there was to say like 11 kids. And they talked about the history of the planet. And so for 300 300 million years, um, there was only uh, 300,000 years, there was just electrical storms. And so there could be no life. There was just a whole lot of shaking going on. And it had the kid, you know, mark that place. You know, 300,000 years, just storms. And then for uh, 2 billion years, there was just ocean. And these little slimy beans in the ocean for 2 billion years. Then the kid marks that spot. And then some of these beans said, hey,
1: let's go up on, the, let's go up on that land. And see what we can create there.
0: So they, they threw themselves up, and I don't know how many million years that took. But from that, these, these very s- small celled creatures came up and began slowly to unfold biologic and the trees and the mountains and the flowers and the birds and the bees and the mammals, so forth and so on. So, it's really a beautiful thing just to see and hear this description of the journey that we have been on of consciousness on this planet for 4 billion years. Now, uh, when did humans appear on this timeline? Well, you know, the, the one tree is way over there, the other tree is right here. And and they said about well you know all depends on where where you mark modern humans but anywhere from fifty thousand years to two hundred thousand years in terms of the use of of a human language as as we would understand it about a hundred thousand years so the kid another kid is holding that place on the timeline and you can't really even see any opening between where we are now and when it began. So, we obviously have been here just a few moments. Just a few moments, and look at what has happened. You know, it's, it's who, who would have thought 200,000 years ago, oh yeah, I see, you know, uh, 200, you know in the next 200,000 years, cities will be created everywhere. Beautiful art, uh, cultures, people will gather you know in groups of a billion people. You know they say that like uh, what's that guy's name? Harara, per- the Israeli historian who wrote the book Sapiens. He said you can only get about 60 non-humans together in a group at a time. Uh, uh, otherwise, they just start getting incoherent. So, in this short time, humans have created a miracle. You know, I've I've had the 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 privilege and the pleasure of going all the different continents and all the different countries and all the great cities of the world. Oh my God everyone is so beautiful every culture is so amazing and you see the art and and the music and the food like wow that's amazing but wait that's the good news <laughs> and the bad news you see on the uh slide you know that's a of a painting by Alex Gray, who I think is one of our great artists, is that in that short period, we have brought the planet to the brink of extinction. No, it's no longer theoretical. Yeah. And what we have seen just in the past year is that everything is falling apart. You now we may not be able to survive as an ecosystem you know the virus just one metaphor we've had the me too movement you know they're saying whatever uh, systems we've created uh, between men and women uh, they're completely uh, unfair and oppressive and 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 women and and all who support women are saying it's it's got to come down. Obviously, in, in the past weeks, we've had uh, Black Lives Matter and as another example of some of the, the horrors that the human mind has created. So, we've got this really interesting paradox, you know, that something about human beings can create heaven and can create health equally that's interesting so what we're trying to do in creative mind is really look at what is it that that is the miracle of human consciousness that has just took off and and just been this in, incredible shift that the likes of which our region of the galaxy has never seen before. Self-awareness, I think, is the uh, simple way to say it, that all living beings have awareness, and some living beings, like mammals, have have a fair amount of intelligence. But it's only humans that have a self-awareness, that allows us to unbind from time, or space, or connection, or or the planet. We can be able to to let to disconnect from everything about our reality. Okay? The great news is that allows incredible creative freedom because now. I can say, well, here I am here. I wonder where I'd like to be in two months. And and my consciousness, my self-awareness, my, my this sort of spiritual mind can, can be able to let go of today and be able to go into the future. So self-awareness brings this capacity to unbind consciousness from time and space or fixed perspective, uh, and in doing that, things like genetic determinism. I, my, my dog is right here. You don't see her, but uh, she's, she's one of the, the great beings in my life. I love dogs. But look at the difference uh, between dog intelligence and dog creativity and human. You know, uh, when dogs, I hope I'm not being too coarse, how do dogs express sexuality? You got doggy style, doggy style, and doggy style. But human beings, <laughs> infinite possibilities. Yeah. How does a dog eat? Yeah, well, you know, i one of the great things about visiting all these different cultures is every culture has different ways of eating. You know, I, I usually spend uh, three months in China every year and I've got my hands slapped many a time for eating like an American in China. You know, in China, the the food belongs to the community. And you only get one little, little bite, two maximum in this little bowl, you know, So the way that we represent, the way that we experience, the way that we meet all of our different needs is totally an uh, open variable, infinite possibility. So the way that we think uh, I'll be safe, what does safety mean for me? Well, maybe safety and security I get an image if only I had enough money. And so I want safety. I've got my image to get safety. Uh, I I just have to be really, really, really rich. And so now I just devote all of my resources and my energy to making money, making money, making money, making money. You know, if we went around in this, there's 800 of us uh, uh, in this uh, talk here this morning. If we just took the time and asked each person to take two minutes and say, what does safety look like for you? We'd find infinite possibility. So the freedom that comes with self-awareness also has uh, a lot of possibility to really fuck up badly. That's technical talk, Um, and so that's that's what I want to talk about is that what what would be an intelligent use of this amazing gift and how can we see when people are creating suffering or systemic violence or symptoms how they're organizing their mind and what would it be to shift the way that they're experiencing mind so that these these the suffering, can be able to transform into uh, some sort of really creative uh, uh, thing. So this self-awareness now creates these two different levels of human consciousness. We could call it the the soul level, and we could talk about that not, not primarily individual. You know, there's a term that, has been used for 5,000 years in different traditions called the, the anima mundi. Uh, it's, it's in the Hindu tradition, uh, it's people uh, in the Greek philosopher tradition. Uh, it's used through Western uh, philosophy. Uh, people like uh, Yeats, the great uh, Irish po- poet, uh, mystic, talked about that all of the world is alive and interconnected. Uh, anima Mundi, the 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 energy of a living world that is inter interconnected and indivisible. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, of course, that's gone out of fashion, and we're just we're taught we're given this notion that mind is something here, and everything else in nature, everything else in the other, doesn't really. It's not really a part of us. Yeah. How's that going? So so we have this first sense in, in the, you know, trance traditions, it's called the unconscious. Uh, when I talk about soul, I'm not talking, despite the fact that I was raised very uh, Irish Catholic, I'm not talking about the Christian soul. I'm talking about the history of all of the lived Consciousness so far. So everything that's unfolded, that includes physical, that includes the mammal intelligence, now includes what uh, Thierry Chardin called the noose sphere. That the sort of the the sphere of uh, the mind sphere of consciousness that is holding the whole planet at this point. All of that is there in a quantum pattern of individual unity. We're all in this together. So that's the unconscious. It, it doesn't, it can't separate out anything. It, it's all about these, these different contradictory elements. Uh, sadness, loss, birth, dying, me, you, uh, violence, love, uh, uh, seasons, winter. It's all part of that single unity and we know it locally from some core feeling that's here that when we create the conditions we can feel it and it's not just a feeling, it's not just an individual emotion, it's our local representation of everything. Is that great or what? So the good news about that level of soul, of of the field, is it's got connection to everything. Not so good news from a human point of view, it doesn't have self-awareness. So it doesn't really change very fast because it's just sort of bound together. So the seasons come and the seasons go. Uh, The sun comes up the sun goes down. And so you have, for most of the history of consciousness, a, a very relatively slow glacial amount of actual systemic change. It's gotta be part of the field. That's what you know we, we say when we say it's genetic. But humans have awakened, again, this miracle of some self-awareness that we could call mind, you could call it spirit. again, I wouldn't be using that in a religious sense that is able to, to bear witness and to be able to create these representations of that sort of indivisible unity of life and then be able to do that in maybe this way, maybe this way, maybe this way, Or maybe I'll focus on this part, or maybe I'll focus on that. So it it allows just tremendous, tremendous variability. So the nature then of this mind here is all crucial. So this brings us again to what we might call uh, a, a crisis in consciousness. You know, many of you know uh, the word crisis in uh, Chinese. has got those two characters, opportunity and danger. So we have the opportunity to, to be able to move things to a level that we couldn't even dream about. But there's also the danger that we will destroy everything through this gift of intentionality and self awareness and the capacity to disconnect. Okay. I think that part of our struggle is this is so new, relatively. You know, you look at that four billion years and you look at that. The human awakening as just a, a little flicker in the timeline. We're we're kind of like a two-year-old in terms of our developmental maturity with self-awareness. So a two-year-old, you know, barely talk. Bah, 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 bah. Um, you know, as some people describe about certain presidents of certain countries right now, it's all about me. <laughs> Me, <laughs> me, 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 me. So we're so new at this astonishing miracle that changes everything. We're not doing such a good job in a lot of places. We're not doing such a good job. And so we look at what what is the nature of this mind that is being used so destructively. And so that's what we, 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 it's very important to to appreciate. There is no intrinsic structure of the mind. There is no fundamental properties of the mind. You can create a mind in an infinite number of different ways. You could have a mind that thinks uh, I'm here to dominate. You know, again, we heard a certain president talk about when a lot of people were saying, hear our voices, he said, the only way I can think about relating to that is to dominate everybody. That would be uh, a way that you could organize your mind. You could organize your mind so that it's just located in me, in my individual self. You could organize your mind so it's just located in my family or my culture, you know, um, so you can use the mind, you can create a mind that it, it has infinite different possibilities. There are traditions, right? And those traditions are sort of the default values in, in a given community. So we are dropped into a culture that has a certain tradition of implicitly creating mind and thinking about mind in a particular way and then through that we engage with this with the world and through that we create a a reality the most significant dimension i believe of a locked mind of a destructive mind is disconnection Mm -hmm. so we've got this sense of we can unbind from the present moment. We can unbind from the body. We can unbind from this reality. And in that little gap, we're supposed to go back. You know, we're we're supposed to say, I I step away, I pause. You know, it's like, how many, if those of you are parents, how many times do you say to your kids, stop and think, you know, step away Think about hmm, infinite possibilities. Maybe I could do it this, this, this. You know, get your state and then step back into the world. A destructive mind, a mind that is defined by problems, by violence, by symptoms, by suffering, is a mind that is disconnected. Okay? So we have this unique capacity to disconnect. Okay? And we're, we're really. Exercising it um, quite a bit. Um, Gregory Bateson, you know, again, my my teacher used to say in his Deathstone ecology of mind that the greatest error of Western thinking was this idea that one part of a system could and should dominate the whole of the system. One part, so. <laughs> What we're facing now is white Western men. They right? should basically be in charge of everything, you know, and and control everybody else in the community. We're getting feedback. I don't think so. Yeah, you know, but that sense that one part of the system should control, and and then you start to have a mind that basically thinks in terms of you know the the way that i i was taught is the mind is there to analyze and control you know i I, another way of saying that divide and conquer you know break everything into pieces and then dominate it and exploit it so it led people like uh, margaret thatcher uh, just to show you that it's not just the united states that that has strange leaders Uh, when margaret thatcher was prime minister she said um, there is no such thing as society there is no such thing as culture there's only individuals there's only little pieces really what kind of mind is producing that and what kind of world does that mind create a a block locked mind that's creating problems has is using fixed images the in political movements this is called fundamentalism and fascism it means that i have a fixed single map of the truth right i happen to know it and then i have to deal with the fact that almost everybody the majority of people don't share my map So I believe the infidels should be destroyed so that the truth of this fixed map can be imposed upon the world. Good luck with that. So these blocked, locked minds are also what we call feedback insensitive. You know, the, the whole point of learning is that we open a conversation we put things out and we find out that the vast majority of everything that we do is wrong it doesn't fit it doesn't work right so we're getting feedback you know and and the whole point of a conversational mind is you're just listening to the feedback and finding a groove so that something in that conversation between multiple uh, uh, members of a generative mind can begin to emerge, like a, te- a team, like a musician, uh, like uh, cooking a great meal. So this one-sided, fixed image, muscularly held uh, mind is is really a formula for vital. It doesn't feel that it belongs to nature. It feels all otherness as the enemy. It feels that the only thing I can do to be secure is to divide and and, and and try to get rid of everything that's different from me. It's not a happy camper. And what we're seeing is it's it's producing problems that have gotten to a point where the whole system is going to collapse if we continue in that way. This is the final thing I want to say in in terms of those of us who who work with, you know, as coaches or therapists. I would say that all chronic suffering, all repetitive problems represent a fixed brain mind body map. All are, are chronic problems that are persistent represent that there is a fixed unconscious brain mind body map so as an example we know in uh, chronic pain that chronic pain is a very different beast than acute pain so you know, uh acute pain <clears throat> is is sort of a bottom up nerve based experience you know I, I bump my shin on the bed and and it inflames the nerve says up out you know, it's a way to, to get feedback, <laughs> watch out, you know, you, you may suffer really big harm if, if, if you don't pay attention. Chronic pain, uh, five times more complex when you, when you do the, the brain mapping, and it's not primarily responding to nerve pain, it's responding to cues out in the world that are indicating here we go again so these brain mind body maps are what are the the primary source of creating depression of creating insecurity of creating pain of creating violence you've got these fixed maps and they're not in in any way feedback sensitive they're not in connection they're not in relationship and so you have what freud uh, would call the repetition compulsion, you know. And those of us who, who work as coaches or therapists, we encounter this all the time. A person says, "Well, here's what I'd like to have happen in my life," but you know, when I go to try to make that happen, the same old negative result occurs. Right? Fixed brain, mind, body maps, locked mind. So, uh, so you say know, I've been talking about some some of these examples, and I think it it's obvious right now that we are experiencing what Gene Gepcher would would call these large-scale eruptions, not E-R I R R U-P-T-I-O-N S. These things that are just in the field, they're just sort of exploding. How many of you have have experienced in the last three months probably more crisis than you've ever experienced in your life? I mean, I'm I'm amazed. It's like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. You know, a- every person that I know is just having one crisis after the next. I any on, on a on a ordinary time any one of these crises would be a lot but i mean i i've got probably six or seven major crises in in my in my relational field people i know uh my my work etc etc where things are falling apart isn't that interesting isn't that interesting what Gepser would say with the gender change work, has uh, always said, we go through these periods of basically stability where we can do business as usual, more or less. But it's just a matter of time before we come to these crisis points where business as usual cannot continue. And so of all of our old maps, this is who I am, This is this is the way things work in the world are ripped up and thrown away and we don't know what to do so we are dropped into sort of the ocean of the soul field we are dropped into this ocean where there's so many different things and we can't organize it in in any clear cognitive meaning and in that time you will either create Symptoms or breakthrough solutions. Do you have a preference? You know, statistically, we know that when people come in with a medical symptom or a psychological symptom, and we ask them how many significant life changes have have happened for you in the last six months that the number of life changes, there's been divorce, there's been a marriage, there's been a birth, there's been a death, there's been a job change, there's been a retirement, the kids have left home, the usual suspects, that that is predictive of the likelihood of symptoms, medical and or psychological. So it means the old maps are no longer relevant we have to get down into the ocean again. I create a new map that, in Milton Erickson's words, he used to say, in a trance, you can be able to let your unconscious, with that healing mind, be able to create new meanings and new responses that best fit the needs and the understanding of your present self. So when I was four... The way that I I have my brain map uh, in order to be loved, I do this. I I just give I, I I give myself away to people. That's my winning formula for how to get love. But I work hard, and so now at say 40 years old, I'm in a place where I don't have to give myself away. And so these old maps of Loving somebody means sacrificing myself. They no longer are available to you. And you feel this instability, and you get pulled into this ocean. So the question is, is the ocean your friend? Is that ocean your family? Is that ocean carrying everything that you need? In order to be able to go through a death and a rebirth cycle. And how we answer that question really is one of the biggest differences in our life. If, if we feel that what's inside of me, what's inside everything in the psyche is my friend. I am a friend of the soul. In Gallic and the Irish, that's called Anam Kira, a friend of the soul. So all this stuff we're seeing, the uh, crisis in the environment, the crisis in gender relationships, the crisis in Black Lives Matter, these are all convergent because we're on this epic transformational passage. Is that great or what? Yeah, it's supposed to happen. This is a positive sign, But in order to be able to welcome that, we need something different from the locked mind. So this is what I mean by creative mind. This is what really trying to uh, develop and articulate a set of uh, practices, a set of patterns by which we can really move from this sort of mind that is connected to community. It's connected to uh, male, female, black, white, human uh, nature. Uh, it's connected to ancestors. It's connected to the future. The inner uh, world of angels and spirits and dreams is connected to the outer world of of you know spe- specific re- reality sort of things. The creative mind is a centered connection of all these things and i don't know if you can see that uh that image that i have there that's another alex gray image the entwined ropes and you know, i don't know if you can see that every knot on that rope has an eye uh, that's opening very very alex gray so the sense of an interconnectedness where where every knot sort of like uh, indra's uh, uh, necklace or indra's pearls uh, from the hindu tradition that every one of these knots is has a self-aware being that allows it to feel everything is contained in me. Now, is that great right or what? So this creative mind, uh, whereas the, the the blocked mind is based on disconnection, the creative mind is based on connection. So. Gregory Bateson used to say, uh, um, uh, mind is relationship. Mind is the pattern that connects. Um, the Chinese are much closer to this, at least in, in their traditions. I've, you know, I've been going to China for many, many years, and I, I started in Japan, and I would ask, uh, a Japanese person, what is this kanji, what does this character mean? And they would say, well, it depends. It depends on the context. i say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's got, you know, a little uh, secondary sort of things, but just tell me the basic meaning of this unit. they say, well, it depends. So I got married to a Chinese woman. She's still my, my dearest friend. And after about 10 years of asking her and saying grace what are these characters she said i told you it depends that it has no meaning in and of itself i thought after 15 years oh it depends (laughs) that that the mind is not in a point the mind is what connects the differences so that is the, the, the creative mind. It's a chi flow that is threading and connecting. And you think, oh, that's so California. What do you think musicians pay attention to? What do you think dancers pay attention to? What do athletes who are playing on teams pay attention to? They're paying attention to the thread of connection that joins them as a community. We can do this with every part of our life, and we may need to do it if we're not going to get, you know, bring extinction now, So this mind is, you know, not only running through individuals, through relationships, it's not just running through humans. You know, the the virus and, you know, the global warming is Mother Earth saying, hey, Remember me, I'm your mother. It's like you're 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 raping me, you're starving me, you're abusing me. If we don't reorganize our mind, the mind and nature, a necessary unity, we're fried. You know, we're we're cooked. So we're thinking then of this mind as sort of this fluid shimmering. Some people say, oh, that's so California. But it, it's not locked. So sort of just think of your best states, what you called the flow states. And what I mean by shimmering is the the image is not fixed and locked. It's like well, right now it's this, and it's like as I like, think about it a little bit more, the image changes to this. So everything is a variable. Everything is in flow. Everything is in resonance from the resonance and from the connection, that begins to give you the unfolding of the mind, rather than, I have to figure it out here, outside of everything else, and then I have to impose it uh, on the mind. So this is called what Gene Kebscher, who who I uh, uh, was mentioning earlier, he calls this integral consciousness. And, and he calls this, this, uh, era that we, uh, are at the end of. I uh, would call it the perspectivist or the mental, uh, epic, uh, the, the mental phase and where we had a fixed perspective and we thought in things that, in, in terms of the mind. Is that th- this, this new generation that we're being called into is integral. And it's classic book, The Ever-Present Origin, talks about, sounds like Milton Erickson and Gregory Bateson and everybody I've ever been uh, touched by, he talks about in this beautiful philosophical, poetic, spiritual way, is that this ever-present origin contains all perspectives. It contains no perspective. It contains each perspective. It contains all time. It contains no time it contains each time is that great or what and to me uh that's that's always been the beautiful stuff about trance work and about generative change is that you 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 can step into this place where you're doing really serious work but it's just this amazing river of consciousness that has got so many different possibilities and potentials we may need to use that as our base or become extinguished. So that's what Gebser calls the integral mind. And I'm going to give you, you're going to have these slides available because I, I, I would talk, but I think it would be good to go on to an experience uh, instead. We're talking about these different levels of, of creativity from What Gebser called the ever-present origin which is before time and space and it's always been there and it's never been there Uh, and then you've got this pulse of life sort of I think the Tao sign the yin and the yang is a really beautiful uh, sense of that and then you've got all of the created experience of the world so far including the present but including the past that is enfolded in the present. And, and that's what, what we call the, 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 the field of consciousness. And then you've got this self-awareness that's poking out and saying, how can we use this spirit to dip back into the field? And as we dip back into the field, be able to open it in this intentional, creative, amazing way. Is that great? Okay. So what I want to do is I I, I think maybe, just to get uh, a little taste, I want to guide you through a kind of a two-part process and then uh i'll briefly talk about the three courses and i'd like to have like 10 minutes for any uh q a there's usually when we think about uh those those you've been in the the generative change work we use the term coach which sometimes i cringe now when i hear what people think about the coach state because a lot of it's sort of unavoidably People think, well, that's just a, a a totally positive place where I go to, where everything is peace and love. If that was the case, uh, it would be like a drug. If that that's the primary way that we are thinking about this generative state, it can easily become a drug. You know, and if we have enough money and if we live in the suburbs, maybe we can get away uh, with doing that maybe not um so when we talk about the generative state where this creative mind state we're we're really talking about the these two different principles one is releasing all attachment you know releasing uh, uh, rigid identification with the verbal mind releasing rigid identification with the body and what the body is experiencing. Releasing identification with our sense of of our our history. And just continuing to release so we can get to a place of something like mm, om. Something like the ever-present origin. And, And I know language is very, very awkward. And everybody sounds like they're from California. And I am from California. So so we, we have to use it with a little sweetness and humor. But realize there is a place before you start to think. There's a place before you start to act. That's your home. And any time that we need to create something new, we, we first have to wash away the dust of all of our accumulated history. We first have to detach and feel that the detachment puts us in, in this source. That's not enough. The whole notion of creative mind is then how to use that connection to source and to yin yang and to the history of of all life um to be able to use that to be able to come into connection right now um in this time and this place with with uh everything that we're doing in the world and when you can do that everything every act that you take will have value to it when you can do that every experience that you have, you will be able to feel infinite possibilities. That's what Viktor Frankl talked about, that it's your connection to it, that's what you have the freedom. It's what Thich Han talks about, that in every moment, if you can hold it in this mindful state, infinite possibilities. It's what Milton Erickson talked about, every great teacher that has ever touched me, this is at the heart of, I think, what, what I, I heard them talking about. So we then use that to open up to each relationship, open up to uh, our connection to our body, open up to our connection to our friends and our family, open up to our connection to our enemies, and our obstacles open up to our connection to how we're holding a vision of our future. If we can make that journey in creative mind, miracles can open from that. All right, so the two parts, and I'm going to uh, guide you through this. This will be uh, about 15 minutes. And uh, you can stand for this if you'd like. Uh, You can sit. But this, this is your process, obviously. Please know I'm not hypnotizing you. This is your experiment in consciousness. And what I'm suggesting, if you can practice something like this, every day. The, the Dalai Lama says, five hours a day for him, for this guy in his 80s. He said, that that's what I practice, so that everything that I do in the world can be able to come from that creative mind. So find a comfortable place, stand, sit. I'm going to guide you through this, you know, with your eyes open or closed. Just let my voice... Sort of move through you like a, a river, and then feel your own way of bringing your own self-awareness to say, well, maybe we can. I can let it move through my body like this. And this that's interesting. Okay. So part one, uh, get into this uh, state of a field openness. Here, this is something that, as you've been in my workshops, I've probably done. I had a more complicated one, but I thought we'd start but something that some of you know. Find a good posture where you can feel settling in, settling down. Say, wow, that's just a lot of words we've just been listening to. I take a few moments to come back home. one of the things that's really helpful in terms of that reconnection is feeling the vertical axis the heaven and the earth as your first dimension of connection i don't connect to other people i feel through my body runs this amazing luminance spirit of mind and able to, to open to that i relax i release i open i feel my yin consciousness open to that feeling of that spirit that flows through everything in the east asian tradition sometimes the feeling is as i breathe i breathe up from the earth up through the earth feel that spirit liquid light subtle electric through my body through the crown of my head to the heaven sun Moon, Star, Saints, Ancestors. And I feel like standing under a shower. I feel their Enlightened Presence flow through me. I'm home. I'm connected. And then one simple practice. This is actually comes from a Tibetan practice. Is we think of our three minds: our verbal mind, our somatic body mind, our mind of all of our relationships in the world. When we say what I want to do is drop the spirit of open, present. And make each of those minds luminous and open, empty, present. So to do that, we start with the verbal mind. And the practice is, imagine holding between your thumb and your index finger a seed or a drop. As you take hold of that, attune your mind and your body with an interest to see can you feel the vibration, the color, the energy of the seed? That's an attunement of your mind. I feel holding between my thumb and my index finger this luminous seed. I job is a sense inside of its physical form, it's not dead, it's a living, vibrating life. This is the seed of stillness, bringing a sense of calmness and stillness. into your somatic mind so take that seed and with sort of the slowness of a like a tai chi movement the slow sensual that allows your movement to weave you into the connection with the sun and, moon and all of life Bring the seed over the crown of your head. Feel your somatic mind. And drop the seed, like dropping it, into a pond. And feel it, watch it, sense it. Still, still. I bring the intention. Stillness. I let my body receive and awaken to this higher level, luminous, still, still, still and move through this pretty straightforwardly and feel my first. Challenge is to still the body. I can feel a place within where all states of my body, all emotion, all movement, is being held from that place of stillness, still mindful awareness. That's interesting. Now let's think of the verbal mind. Feel it, sense it. Almost sense it in the third person. Oh, there's my verbal mind, worrying, thinking, trying to understand, anxious. Right. Hi. Now let's take a second seed seed of silence. You're not trying to make the verbal mind shut up. If you're seeing, if you can drop a seed, so, there's just a silent, luminous presence, like a nest for your verbal mind. So, live like a Tai Chi movement. Okay. Seed of silent and drop it into your verbal mind. So you begin to awaken self-awareness. But before the words there's the whole space for the mind to emerge from. Welcome. Every thought, every worry. Welcome. It's like holding it in a place of golden presence silent, still. And then feel your third mind is the way that you think about the world around you, your friends, your family, your enemies, your life, your environment, your home. That's your outer field. Now we take a third scene, which is spacious. It was used to be taught in Aikido when you walk into a room. Imagine your center dropping down into the earth and spreading out to create a space of welcoming for everything and everybody in that room. Spacious. You feel that third luminous. Seed spacious, so like dropping a pebble, you feel the ripple emanating outwards to the true nature of your mind spacious, still, silent, luminous. This is the home for creative mind. And so each time you have a challenge, each time you're struggling, this is your baby. Every day you train. But then you think, how can I use this base? And now we move into the second part which is how to have a connection with everything in your world i am that this is the erickson principle of acceptance and welcoming everything you find in your world so you might think first of oh wow in this sort of silent spacious spirit you have a body isn't that amazing That you've been given this human body. Just feel this sense of silent, still, spacious, present. That is able to welcome your body into your creative mind. And to say, as if it is your beloved, I see you. I see you. I see you, my dear body. You have so much tension sometimes, so much longing. Welcome. I feel you. Silent, still, spacious, luminosity. I feel you. I feel you. I'm with you. I just feel what it's like to sense your body is you, but at the same time, the body is not me. The body is me. It's still me. So anytime that you find your body struggling or in pain or worrying, wouldn't it be nice to open creative mind? I say, welcome. It's like, you need some TLC And feel from your place of luminosity that while the outer experience of your body may be fatigue or hatred or pain, the inner nature of your body is also still, silent, spirit. So feel underneath the pain or the fatigue, wow, my body is a spiritual being. And use that connection to guide all your relationship with your body. And now let's imagine another being. Imagine somebody in your life, maybe that you're having a little struggle with. The, uh, your partner, child, loved one, somebody at work. And so I'm really struggling with that person. First, I come back to my creative mind. Heaven. Earth, stillness, silent, spatial. And only when you feel that awakened presence, since this other person and feel, I'd really like to love, support, understand, safely, connect. So grounded, open, and that sort of flower of light of your creative mind. Just sense this other person and welcome them into your creative mind. You don't have to merge with them. Feel proper distance. Feel the distance that allows you to be with you, and also to feel inside of them their struggle, what they're thinking about you, what they're not doing. But they have a creative mind, too. To feel their luminosity, their energy. I'm just fully aware. I don't know exactly what to do, but I just want to welcome and give a space within my creative mind. I feel you to your partner. I feel you. I see you, I open, and you're just noticing the first sign that your state starts to lock or close, and you come back to stillness, silent, spacious. and sort of moving along, maybe a little faster than it actually do the actual process. But the next step would be feel a space that holds the two of you. I feel me. I feel you. I feel we. I feel we. I can only feel the authentic we, when I sense you are you, and I am I. And we are we. Just take a few moments, we're gonna just bring a closure to that, it's just a taste. Just notice anything interesting in that experiment of creative mind that you feel opens a place where you can feel more freedom, less anxiety, less hatred, less disconnection. Anything that allows you to live from a place of awareness under here. Awareness. I live in a world with so many deep, different beings all playing the music together. With a little bit of this and a little bit of that. This is my creative mind. This is the creative mind by which we make peace. And make it through these difficult times and have a great, great time doing that. So, sense anytime, each time, oh, yeah, that's good, what I learned from that lesson. Maybe just a little taste. And give yourself a nice hug. This is more of how I want to live each day. You can do this. Bring mindful, creative connection to your mind. Open it to luminosity, still, silent, present. And realize that's great. That is really a great way to live. Okay, so that's a, a little experiential taste, as I say. And just a little sensitive to to our time here. And um, Want to say that uh, what we do in the creative mind courses is we really talk about what it means to get out of this locked mind that is creating more of the same and what it means to get into a a creative mind. And, And everybody's got their own experience. It's like, how do you play music? You know, how do you sing? How do you love your children? So, there's obviously no, no fixed way, but, but the, there's traditions that allow us to discover each day, oh, this, this is what it's like for me. And, and to know this is what I need to commit to for me to then open up to the person I want to be in the world. So what the courses do, just briefly, and you can you know, see uh, all the advertising, is we take that creative mind in, in uh, module one, and we look at how this provides a way to have a generative movement through uh, a creative path that we call the, the seven steps. And so that uh, you open a space. You make sure that you're connected in this powerful way to resonant intention. You make sure that you sense and invite um, all the obstacles or the, the your enemies that are blocking that, your fears. Uh, you include this sort of luminous holding of your resources. So that's a that's a really interesting challenge. Is to create a space where all these different parts of yourself that usually don't talk to each other are are in the same space uh, with the same resonance. And then once we do that, once we feel every one of them has positive value, our enemy, our obstacles, our intention, our resources, they all have positive values that can be experienced and and, and represented in, in infinite numbers of ways Then we see what will bring them together so that they can create something that's never existed before. And then to see, well, what I did here in the session is really important, but it changes nothing. Now the work begins about how to extend it into the world, how to make commitments, how to start acting, and then realize to do that sustainably I need every day to be getting feedback, to practicing how to be able to, to stay in connection with creative mind in order to let that happen. So that's that's the sort of the, the base application of, of creative mind. And then the second is this notion that you know, we start uh, as an ocean where we feel connection to everything, but we have no self-awareness. And then to begin to awaken this self-awareness, uh, uh, most of the time we could contract into a separate sense of an individual self. And so you've got the good news and the bad news. The good news is I just awakened self-awareness. The bad news is the price of self-awareness was I had to isolate uh, from everything else. So. Our relationship channels are our pathways to bring our individual self-awareness into the, the community mind, which is where all happiness is, where generativity is, where growth is. So we look at those the the six basic core relationship channels, your relationship with your body, uh, your relationship to your historical sense, your inner child, your ancestors, your relationship to all of your friends and your resources, your relationship to your obstacles and your enemies, your relationship to what are your daily habits, because we all have daily habits. And some of them might be procrastination or anxiety, some of them might be like my dear friend Robert Diltz, you know, goes running for an hour and a half in the morning. You know, what are the daily practices? Because these are the ways that we construct our day-to-day self? And then what is your relationship to your future? So we see that those are really difficult uh, relationship pathways, and most of us somewhere in the time get wounded or disconnect. And so we've got these blocks that are keeping this sort of individual presence from flowing through our relationships into the genitive world. So we look at what's your relationship to your body? Where are the blocks? How do you heal those? How do you find in those wounds, the resources that let you live free? Is that great or what? And then finally, uh, in the the module three, we really look at most methods work up to a point. You know, I think in last time I looked in in the American Psychological Association, there was over 550 uh, recognized therapeutic methods. And when you do outcome research, guess which one is best? None of them. They all work better than nothing. But there's about one third of the people that they don't help. So your method can work up to about two thirds of the population. But there are people and there are places in each of our lives where the technique never works. I was going to these workshops. Okay. I'm going to totally heal myself. I go back home and those parts of me that have been wounded for a long time, they didn't really change at all. I just had a temporary sort of positive drug state. So, What I think the creative mind work does, and this really, I I get a lot from Erickson, some of his sort of more shamanic traditions, is how to go beneath the social verbal ego and feel these places that are wounded and see what it is to invite those into conversations. Because we know where the suffering is deepest, that's where the spirit is greatest. That's what suffering tells us, that something here is so deep and so beautiful, wants to wake up, wants to, but something has pressed on it. That's what suffering is. So the deeper the pain, uh, the greater the spirit that's, that's inside the pain. So we need to detect it because most of the ego has been constructed to distract from it and then be able to welcome that and then be able to help take off those outer clothes that represents the violence that was done to it. So the light at the core of all your suffering can be able to join you into the world. Those are the three methods that we're exploring. I, I'm really excited about it. Uh, so. Uh, I I hope that you join us for that. Before we end, we're gonna have time for just a few uh, 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 questions. I've got, I think about 40 people that are on Zoom. I'm looking at like uh, 15 of them on my screen. So uh, those of you who are on the Zoom, I don't know if there's if there's any questions that you want to ask uh, uh, as a way to begin to close things. So any of you want to ask, just go ahead and speak, or you can raise your hand. I can see like 15 of you. Go ahead, Maxine. You can introduce yourself.
1: First of all, thank you, Stephen. So much came up for me. I've learned so much from you before, now, and in the future, for which I am profoundly grateful. What I'm concerned about is the scale of this group that you will be teaching. How much will we be together? And how much will our numbers keep us apart from each other? There's so much that comes from intimacy in this work, at least for me and personal things that came up just in the course of this last visualization were just dumbstruck. I'm dumbstruck. And I need to be able to have some space to work on that. Will that be present here?
0: Yeah, we're going to run these like we run the certification courses, which is we're going to have team leaders. So we'll have maybe eight to 10 people in a team. Let's see, I can see Celine, Celine is there on the screen. Uh, I think she's gonna be one of them. Uh, and so part of the, uh, the, the, the module is that you'll be meeting in small groups. Uh, you'll be able to process things in small groups. And uh, we hope that you continue in these small virtual communities after the course. Um, so I, I agree that there's a really important need for that. You know, I I'm don't not, know, if that's that's cool. Cool. I, I've, I've thought this virtual stuff will not be able to provide that, but you know, I've, I've done, I've been doing a lot of virtual stuff in the last three months and I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. that there's, there's some really good possibilities. I mean, you were in the IGC conference, but I did the of Barcelona Generative Coaching, and I did this stuff in Russia. Mm-hmm. So, yes, community is important. We're really designing the courses to, ha- to have you have connection, not only in the group as a whole, but in, in your small groups. Intimate groups. Yeah.
1: I'm very grateful for that. It wasn't made clear what the structure of this is, or even how many how many weeks it will be, how many sessions. Well, module, I know module that.
0: Module one is uh, three days. Module two is three days. Module three is three two-day weekends. Okay. So that that one especially is I I, I I'm expecting that we'll have. It, it's sort of, to me, the virtual version of, of what I've done with supervision groups, mm-hmm. and those supervision groups are, you know, communities that, uh, you know, forty years later, uh, you know, my core supervision groups are still intimate communities. You know, because of the nature specific. of the work, and you know, we're we're no longer following a, a prescribed method, but what do we need to do with the support of the community? to really connect to those places, deep beneath your ego defenses. And and, and to do it not in a way where we're interested in having you collapse into it or regress, but the whole point I think is how to be able to feel those and, and in a skillful, loving, kind way, invite them into the present self, which is where a person has all the resources. You know, the present community all the hard work that they've done from the time where they had to abandon that part of themselves you know most people go on these extraordinary healing journeys mm-hmm. and, and i think it's only when they've developed the resources that these old wounds start to come back into play but, but you need a really good community to support that all right, anybody else?
1: And is that what your intention is for all of us? Can you briefly articulate the intention of this? What is this to accomplish for the average person joining this community?
0: Well, it's to realize that you're not average. And that uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're on this great journey. And uh, you know, some of us, when we get to be our age, we realize it doesn't go on forever. So, it's you know, the, the Buddhists like to say, you know, when you get a human life, you have so lucky, yep. you know, you know how lucky you are that you've been given a human life, infinite possibilities. So we're saying, like, you're, you're here, you know, one of my teachers from the men's communities uh, in the 80s was this West African man, domo Sommet. And, you know, he would talk about how in his West African tradition, they believe that every baby came into the world from the spirit world. And Mm. they came from the spirit world because they came to this time and this place because they had a specific gift to give. And so they do this thing where the elders in the the healing community, before the baby, before the TV gets turned on and before, you know, all, all the stuff, Disconnects you from from that 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 luminous soul. They they have a conversation with the baby, and the conversation is basically, why have you come? Why have you come? And and they do the name uh, for the child based on what the child tells them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the point of the work uh, is to say that you know each of us is here because we have come to to bring a gift to the world and and when we're not living that it creates tremendous unhappiness for ourselves and then that's what we pass on into the world so that's a skill and we need traditions to, to be able to do that on a practical daily basis so that that's what i'm intending work. okay anybody else hi
2: steven Thank you very much. It's a uh, beautiful process and very wise words as, as always.
0: Talking. I can't see you.
2: Comes from your way. Oh. Hi. Hi. My um, question is more about the relationship between, uh, between this creative field um, and all of this beautiful uh, mindful presence that we are cultivating and developing and the reality. So, if we are living in this challenging world, in order for us to make the difference, we still need to generate a level of those material resources to to manifest those goals and 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 um projects and make the difference um so So, how this process is being used for uh shaping material structures
0: Well. You know what like in in the module one where you know we're saying what are the seven steps, it it starts with what is your calling, what is your intention, what 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 or you know what Victor Franco used to say, he said when, when he was in Auschwitz as a prisoner, to ask the question of intention of what do I want, he said it's it's not a very relevant question if you're a prisoner in Auschwitz, because Nobody fucking cares. But so he would ask the question, what is life asking of me right now? So that's the first question. And what we're looking at in terms of this whole creative mind is if we hold that with muscular tension, and if we hold that merely in our verbal mind, nothing will happen. So to hold that question, we have to open every cell of our being and, and open everything in our core to, to be able to, to, to feel it flowing through us. So, so partly we, we've been indoctrinated in all of our traditions. Our intention means contracted muscles. That if I want to do something, if I want to understand something, if I want to change something, I have to do this. I have to do some version of muscular tension. What we learn in all creative performance is is you have to relax. the, 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 The main primary language of creativity is not muscular. It's not muscularly created, it's nerve awareness. Something's flowing through you. So what we're doing is, is really seeing how to make sure that you don't walk at any point. And again, this is what you do if, if you're doing any creative performance. You know, you're playing a musical instrument, your teacher will tell you how many times you have to relax. You know, if you look at like Olympic athletes, you know, before they they're poised to begin an ice skater or a swimmer or a gymnast, everything is I have to relax, and and the relaxation is not, you know, a sack of potatoes, but it's a re- relaxation that attunes you to uh, the luminous base of your creative mind which is a thread of luminous connection that runs through everything right so then we see that as we do that you know it's really in each of the modules we see there's a lot of places where we've been conditioned to muscularly lock you know if if i if i tell you what i really want I've got this learned belief that you, you, you won't give it to me or you'll tell me that I'm too much. And so I've got this unconscious condition where every time that there's something I want to bring into the world, I'm unconsciously locking my, you know, what, what the Chinese would call black chi, You know, uh, what we would call in general change being, being in a crash state. So what we're learning is is how the muscles have to support the spirit awakening. And then to see at any moment where your chi is blocked, at any moment where your where your breathing is inhibited, game's over. And and you have to go through a lot of beliefs, you know. I, I remember in aikido, you know, which I I You know, trained in for like 17 years. I, there was this young kid, his mother was an Aikido teacher. And so Joshua grew up in Aikido, you know, it was like his first language. He was 17, he's big, big, young, young guy, but big and, you know, like wrists like this. And we were doing this technique where you you sort of, somebody, you spin around. And each time I, I did it with him, I was like facing him and I would unconsciously contract and he would say no no he said keep your center open to me it's your only hope and and it went to this place i mean i you know i grew up in a very violent alcoholic family i thought that is the fucking stupidest thing i ever heard in my life i've got somebody who wants to destroy me and you're telling me to to open myself to them and and, and he said yeah that's it that's it that's our keto and he 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 had this innocence and congruency that it was like wow I touched someplace deep inside that we have to unfreeze ourselves we, we, we have to come back fully into the world and we have to do it in a way that that sort of just appreciates our own way of doing it you know some days are better than others we know from trauma research that you, you have to respect the body to always be working on your edge but not to be pushing it so far but the point of it all is to open your being totally into the world then you have a chance as, as long as you're closed you have no chance you're disconnected you you can't feel the thread the spirit the everything you know your ancestors you can't and and so you feel
1: it's just me out here there's a big bad world that's gonna hurt me if i come out
0: so we're saying what does it mean to come fully out and then to realize when you open your being in a skillful way to your deepest fears, your deepest creativity and freedom is awakened. Okay? Thank you. Okay, guys, that's as usual, my Irish ancestors have sort of been filling me with certain stories, so we're we're going over time. But um, I hope that gives you a sense of where the work is now. I I feel really, really excited and you know, like like all of us, the the last months have been really intense. Really intense. I'm I'm sitting here in my sitting room upstairs. The Pacific Ocean is right there. I was on the road 231 days last year. I leave, I have been home for about 100 days. I only leave my, I go out for walks with my daughter and my dog every morning. But otherwise, I go out uh, one day a week at 7 a.m. They have seniors hour for food shopping. And I do my food shopping once a week and I come home. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of you, it's like everything has been totally disrupted. You know, and then we have, you know, the virus and the, you know, before that, you know, the the, the climate change and, and and before that, the Me Too, it's really intense time. Now's the time. This is what we've been waiting for. And, and so we, we really need, I think, to step into and share with everybody and, and everything that we love in the world that through open-hearted community connection uh, we can create a wall to which everybody wants to, wants to belong so that that is you know what this tradition is about it's so great to see so many different traditions uh, that are stepping forward in this hour of our greatest need you know uh so um i i'm really excited about the work so uh i i, I hope you can join us um in further exploring it. so before we leave uh i want to thank uh richard and oksana connor are you guys on richard oksana well uh Sorry. They are everywhere. Hello.
3: Hello. Hello, hello Steve. <laughs> hello, everybody.
0: Wait, can we see you guys? I, I think so. Uh I can't. Uh oh
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: everybody, this is uh Richard and Oksana. I'll let you guess who's Oksana and who's Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and, Steven, uh, thank you. That was that was just Amazing just wonderful. Thank
3: you very much for this uh, wonderful uh, Evening this is, this is amazing experience and uh, I'm I'm so grateful to all our team who made this happen. Thanks to the
0: whole team. Yes to, yeah. Anybody in particular you want to Yes, yes, uh, yes. yes uh, Z and and Artyom and Nadia Jonathan Kasha
3: and uh, our, our our beautiful Russian team of web design the the, the,
0: the best engineers, the
3: engineers in the world, the the, the <laughs> Studio group and Valodia, and also uh, Sasha and Sofa, our designers, designers. our sub designers, yeah. and yeah. of course uh, the great great thank you to and to the great artist Antonio Meza. Who Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Visual art for,
1: for yeah. this,
3: for this uh, for our website, and um, which is Express Steven's work. The, the guy that and did amazing. those paintings is
0: Antonio Mesa. Amazing. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, that's just really remarkable.
3: And also big, big, uh, big thank uh, you for all our partners, uh, affiliates who, who support me. I, I can't hear you
0: now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> can you can anybody else hear us let, let me try another okay so we, we want to thank all of our partners and affiliates around the world who are who are helping to bring steven's message to be accessible to everyone we we really think that what Stephen's doing is is really really needed right now and we're proud to to support, to support him, him. Stephen. <laughs> Sorry, they, it's they, okay. They, they, my computer said there's been an audio problem, <laughs> so I was going on the other commuter. Uh, it's, I think that's private. a good time just to say thank you. Thank
3: you, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, thank you, guys, for doing you. your
0: task. For thank you, thank you, Stephen. Good stuff. Thank you.